You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Amen. I feel like we had church. We can go home. Oh, but this morning we are continuing our sermon series, Now Vember. And we're going to be talking about how now is the time for hope. We're going to be reading Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 15, verses 4 through 13. But before we read, let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, in these next few moments, we ask for you to open our hearts and illumine our minds as we listen to your word. Prayerfully, we ask that you would speak clearly to us and that we would have a willing and obedient spirit to follow where you lead. We pray hopefully in Jesus' name, amen. Again, this is Romans chapter 15, verses four through 13. Listen now for the word of our Lord. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become the servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come to the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Paul is writing to the church in uh, to the church in Rome from the church in Corinth toward the close of his third missionary journey. He was preparing to leave for Palestine with an offering for the poor believers in the Jerusalem church. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, this is your answer from our 2 Corinthians text. They did, in fact, give the offering that they had planned on giving. Also, this is just a reminder that if you planned to give during our generosity season last month, and like the Corinthians, maybe forgot or life just got crazy, you can totally still give to support what God is doing through this church to share God's love and hope next year. But Paul's writing to the church in Rome. And his goal is really to teach them about the faith and discipleship, to encourage them to continue to live and worship as faithful believers and followers of Jesus. Now, Paul had actually never been to the church in Rome. And so he really wanted to make sure that he was in communication with them, even if he couldn't be with them. So he writes this letter 
And then he gives the letter to Phoebe to take to the church in Rome, which she does. So we find ourselves here in the second to last chapter of the letter. Paul's getting close to the end. Now you know endings are important. It's what great writers and speakers want to leave you with. And this part of Paul's letter is worth remembering over and over again. The scripture is bookended with messages of hope. So Paul begins and he reminds the church in Rome of God's steadfastness and encouragement that give us hope. Hope is super hard to define because it's a spiritual gift from God. In my Thursday morning Bible study, we've been looking at women in the Bible. And to be honest, it's been a really hard series. It's been challenging to wrestle with and remember how things were, particularly for women in those times. We just studied Esther and her challenges were monumental. She takes risks that could lead to her demise, but she trusts God. The word hope isn't mentioned directly, but hope really comes from our trust in God. When we trust in God, we get this gift of hope. And this is not some pie in the sky kind of hope. This isn't just making a wish. Hope is truly trusting what God says. Trusting that God will keep God's promises. Hope comes from our relationship with God. A God who loves us, forgives us, claims us, and offers us everlasting life. But having hope can be hard, especially in the face of trials. It's easy to get disheartened when you look at all of the brokenness in the world. I have to brace myself every time I turn on the news and make sure my kids aren't in the room. And sometimes we try to fix the brokenness ourselves, making our prayer to God or our trust in God our last resort. But truly when we make trusting in God or praying to God our last resort, we've put ourselves at the center of the universe and not God. And let me tell you, there is really no way I want to be responsible for the universe. My own household is enough. We're called to put our trust in God and our hope in God first. And so Paul reminds them of this hope, this gift from God. And he reminds them it's not circumstantial. As one of my brilliant Bible study members said, hope can stand shoulder to shoulder with grief and pain. That's a beautiful image to me right now because the past 19 months have been a time of shared grief and pain. And much of that time has been in isolation, compounding the grief. And I'm really proud of how we've managed to worship together virtually and close the distance in creative ways. But the longer it went on, the harder it became and it took a toll on us in so many ways. And sometimes it even divided us. Not only was there a global pandemic, but there was civil and political unrest. I can list some words that I bet will trigger you in some way. Republican, Democrat, vaxxers, anti-vaxxers, maskers, anti-maskers, liberal, conservative. These are words we throw around on a daily basis and they demonstrate how we are divided. And if I think about these words, they don't often bring about hope. And if I focus on them too long, 
I began to feel hopeless. Interestingly enough, after Paul begins this, this part of the message with hope, he addresses the division in the church. He says things like, may the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify God. And he says, welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So in his talking about this unity, he's addressing the division between the Jews and the Gentiles. You see, back then, Jews and Gentiles could have made it onto that list I just read. The salvific work of Christ was not made for just one group, and that's what Paul's telling them, that it's not just for the Jews, it's for all that believe. The Gentiles are not to be treated as outsiders. And he reminds them that as fellow followers of Jesus, we should welcome each other as Christ welcomes us. Another way to phrase that is to accept one another as Christ accepts us. Paul also reminded the church in Galatia of this when he writes to them, he says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, does this mean that we have to agree on everything? Absolutely not. In fact, I'm quite confident that Jesus does not agree with me 100% of the time. I'm doing my best, but I definitely mess up. Sometimes I don't even realize I've messed up because I am focusing on things that are my own wants and needs and not focused on God. And I really miss the mark. But here's what I know. When I mess up and I repent, I'm forgiven. I know that nothing in all creation can separate me from God's love. I know that God welcomes me and accepts me despite my flaws. And that's not just my truth. It's our truth as Christians. And we are all called to welcome and accept one another to live in harmony in accordance with Christ. And Paul tells us how to do that. And I really love that. I really love when we're told to do something and then we're given the how. It makes it very easy. Paul says we do that through praising God together. That's what we do here each week. The person to your left or to your right, I promise you, doesn't agree with you on every topic. And frankly, none of us have it all right. But we come here and we worship together. Week after week, we pray that God's will will be done on earth here as it is in heaven, and we earnestly seek God's will. And do you know what happens when we do that? God is glorified. We are called into a community in Christ, and when we come together and we praise God, we glorify God, and we are truly better together. Sarah B. Anderson has a powerful book called The Space Between Us. 
And she writes, the first real miracle of Jesus was his presence. It was showing up on earth in the first place. Presence is powerful. Presence sends a message that says, I care about you. I like you. And that's why I'm committed to being around you and with you. Because you're more than a position to agree or disagree with. You are a person. This is what welcoming one another as Christ welcomes us looks like. And we're about to enter a season of gathering. And in some cases, it might be the first time we've gathered in a long time. It might be with people that we haven't seen in a long time. Or it could be people we see all the time. But we're coming together. And probably in all of these situations, whatever yours looks like, you probably wholeheartedly agree with every decision of every person you will gather with. I'm sure everybody you gather with gets along and there's no tension, there's no frustration, there's no buttons pushed, it's perfect. Just kidding. Actually, if you do have that, I would like to be invited over um, for a meal. That would be great. But we know that's not generally the case because we're human. So how do we gather hopefully in these spaces? Well, first I want to remind us of this beautiful hymn we sing in here often. For everyone born. One of the, or some of the lyrics are this. For young and for old, a place at the table, a voice to be heard, a part in the song, the hands of a child in the hands that are wrinkled, for young and for old, the right to belong. And God will delight when we are creators of justice and joy, compassion and peace. Yes, God will delight when we are creators of justice and joy. Friends, that's what Paul's saying here. For everyone born, there's a place at the table. Let us soak in this wisdom that Paul is giving us and take it to heart. So when we gather together, whether it's at these coming gatherings or far in the future, we need to think about what are we bringing to the table? When we speak, is it hope-filled? Is it pointing to God? Will it bring glory to God? Are we welcoming others as Christ welcomes and accepts us? I love my family and friends so, 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 so much. But I know them. And I know that we do not agree on everything. And in some things, we passionately disagree. So I know that what I just said isn't always an easy task. But this is where hope comes in again. The last verse of our passage today says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This isn't something we're expected to do on our own. The Holy Spirit, our helper, will be with us when we trust in God and rely on God. The joy and peace of Christ will be in us and we will abound in hope. And that's how we bring hope to the table. And I truly believe that that hope is contagious. I mean, we live in Braves country. We just saw that hope is contagious. And that's not even religion. 
But look at what focusing on hope did. It was unifying. I teared up watching that World Series parade. It was so exciting. They had come back, they did it, they won. And as a native Atlantan, I had so much nostalgia from 26 years ago. I remembered where I was. It was beautiful. But what truly overwhelmed me to the point of tears is that we were unified. For the first time, I'm watching the news and it's all unity. And I am confident that those people gathered in the streets and in the stadium do not see eye to eye on all things, but they were united on common ground. And that's just people uniting over a baseball game. There are more serious circumstances in life. My friend Emily shared this week in Bible study about a nonprofit she used to help with called Hope Scarves. It began as their website states in 2007, Laura McGregor at 30 years old and seven months pregnant was diagnosed with breast cancer. After being gifted headscarves accompanied by a note that said, you can do this. During her treatment, she founded Hope Scarves, bringing hope and community to thousands of people facing cancer. Then after seven years in remission, she was diagnosed again, this time with stage four metastatic breast cancer. With her new reality, Laura had to redefine hope for herself to live a life over cancer, one that embraces every moment intentionally, a life of hope. Her story is hard, but it's not hopeless. She stands shoulder to shoulder with grief and pain together, and she's uniting people together in the midst of that pain, which makes them stronger. When we unite over over the little things or the big things, We are better together. The divisions are overshadowed by light and love and hope abounds. And then there's the biggest thing. When we unite in Christ, the one who came to save us all and who loves and accepts us all, hope abounds. When we praise God with one voice, hope abounds. When we welcome others and accept others, hope abounds. When we extend grace upon grace, hope abounds. Sure, we will mess up, but there is still hope. In that same book I referenced earlier, The Space Between Us, Anderson describes an ancient Jewish tradition that says every person born is connected to God by a rope. She describes it as this. The tradition suggests that each time we sin or act out of our own selfishness, undermine the humanity in others or ourselves, or trade the highest good for more immediate satisfaction, the rope between us and God breaks. What was once tethered together is now separated, a space now growing and swelling between us. The tradition says that when that happens, God makes the move to retie the rope, to connect us back together again. He takes his end and then gathers our end and he meticulously reattaches the two together, uniting what our own sinfulness and brokenness and selfishness had undone. And when he does that, the strangest thing happens. The rope between us shortens. In the retying of the rope, we've somehow managed to move closer to God. The rope before a long and clean line 
is now knotted and retied and secured, not just connecting us to God, but also lessening the space between us. This is so powerful and it makes so much sense given what we know about the nature of God who sent his son Jesus to earth to save each and every unworthy one of us. Pouring out grace and mercy, reconciling us to God and claiming us as now worthy to be part of God's family. And through that grace, he works in our brokenness, drawing us closer together. If Jesus does that for us, and we are called to welcome one another as Christ welcomes us, then I wonder, just as Anderson wonders in, his, in her book, what if this idea of the, the rope being retied is more than just about us and God vertically, but what happens if we start extending that horizontally to others? And you know what happens. Paul tells us. What happens in that is that we are stronger and hope abounds through the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, now is the time for hope. Let us pray. Holy God, help us to be people who lean into you and trust you. We know you are the source of our everlasting hope. Help us to welcome one another as you welcome us, praising and glorifying you together so that hope may abound. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.